I don't know if that's the easier thing. It might not be the easier thing for other people to understand, but I think like just like claiming all of the things you are as like a new it's like a new box. Cause right, like I think I don't know if it was recording, but you were when you asked me, like, if you're at an audition, what box do you check? Yeah. You know? Um and I think like they're gonna have to make a lot of more boxes. Eita Brasil, tá comigo? New York, I know you have. Hey humans, uh, welcome to episode 4 of La Mescla. Uh, I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you for listening to uh, any and all of the last three episodes. And thank you to everybody that's reached out and sent messages. Uh, it means a lot that people are engaging with the show. Um, and it means a lot that other mixed people are feeling uh, uh, like they have something they can identify with. Uh, so thank you so much to everybody. And please remember to, you know, rate and review and subscribe and all that bullshit. Our guest today is Michael Varamoyanis. Uh, Michael is an actor, comedian, improviser, and musician uh, that I've had the pleasure of working with for some time in New York. Uh, Michael is uh, one of my favorite people. He's one of the rare people who can just stand still and do nothing and still make you laugh. Um, we had a really wide-ranging conversation uh, about... Um, uh, his cultural mix, about growing up in Astoria, um, about Buddhism and the role it plays in his life, uh, and a long extended conversation about uh, people's noses that I think you'll like. Uh, and most importantly, uh, I should let you know that uh, Michael was eating plantain strips for the entirety of this interview. I didn't think it was a problem. Uh, in fact, I think the crunching sounds that you hear throughout are very funny. Uh, so please enjoy. Material shit don't make you rich. Coisa material. Hey, dude. What, what's, uh, what's, what's going on? Um, do I tell the truth? <laughs> yeah. Is it incriminating? You can do whatever you want. Um, well, But yeah. you did just tell everyone that there's something incriminating happening. Okay. Okay, well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if it is. Uh, yeah, I'm just gonna... Yeah, I'm fine. I, uh, I, had a, I had a trip last night. I've been up all night. And um, but it's good. I'm happy. I'm happy. Hell yeah! We'll take today. We'll take a nice, easy, uh, easy journey today. Nice. Uh, so what's your what's your deal, man? <laughs> where? Well, let's just start with like uh, like huge. where where are you from, Ridge? Mm, I was born here. I grew up in California. Uh huh. My parents met here. Uh, here being where? New York. But uh, where in New York? Damn. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I come with them hard-hitting questions yeah, yeah. fast. This is a who's who? Who does that? Charlie, Charlie Rose before he got fired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll call me pre-disgraced Charlie Rose. Yeah, cool. That's a good look. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I don't know where. Uh, the only reason I ask is because I know you're from Astoria, right? Mm, I live there, mm. and uh, I don't know where they. Mm, my dad was having a cigarette outside of the hair salon he worked at. My mom was walking down the street on the other side of the street. She saw him. She was like, whoa, hot guy. And then went inside to the hair salon and like requested that he specifically blow out her hair. <laughs> and that's how she met him. I don't know. It's here. It's in New York City. I don't know where that is. That's a pretty killer story. Yeah. I was conceived in Montauk. 
Okay. So All I right. know that. So you were conceived in Montauk. Yeah. Born in New York? Yeah. And then moved to California. Mm-hmm. Word. From the age of like four to like like just about to be kind of 14. Oh, all right. So like formative years in California. Yeah. Word. Like nine solid for sure years. And then like kind of 10. What was that change like? Um, The first time or the second time? The second time. Yeah. Like when you came back to New York. Um, I feel like that was probably a little weirder, right? Yeah. Um, I was like really quiet at that time. I think it's because uh, my mom had cancer, and we moved. Oh, shit, I never knew that. Mm. Yeah. She's had it twice, but she's, uh, the first time, um, I guess the treatment uh, took however much money existed, uh, and we, we just... It'll, it'll do that. Yeah, right? And we, we couldn't afford to live where we were living, um, so we didn't live in that apartment for a while, and like we were staying on a, a friend's couch in California and then eventually I guess the decision was made well let's just go back to New York where grandma lives and like live with grandma for like a year or two got it and mm-hmm. where did where did grandma live um, she lived in Maspeth at the time uh, still around big ups big ups to grandma yeah. my grandma's still around one of my um, grandma's still around as far as I know I've got both I wow think. shit yeah how, uh, do you know how old your grandma is uh, yeah yeah She's, um... Mine is 91 now. Damn. I was going to say 85 for me. Shit. That's cool. My grandma's got years on your grandma. Yeah. She could beat my grandma in basketball. (laughs) Definitely. Definitely could. My grandma actually likes basketball. That's cool. I think... I don't know if my grandmother has an opinion. If basketball was on, she might just, like demand to start talking about other things you know yeah that's fair that's fair uh so what how does the what's the how does the mix shake out which side of the family is which oh my mother is greek so i'm currently using my mother's name and my father is puerto rican got it yeah but like legally on my driver's license and like every document that matters uh it's hernandez but um for acting for <laughs> I'm using my mom's name. Just for acting? Or just in general these days? Mm, like, in general, but like, but, for acting. I'm but u- like when you sign things, like, official like, things. Like a you, credit card Yeah, thing? something like that, something like that. That's, uh, yeah, I do, Hernandez. Got it. What, what, uh, I've asked a couple of people this, what, when you gotta, you know how you gotta check a box? Like, even on audition forms and mm. stuff? Or like... I don't know, if you're renewing your driver's license or something, do you check any box? What box do you check? Yeah, I do... Uh, I do the Latin-Hispanic box. Yeah. And the other box. Got it. Yeah. If there is another box, sometimes there is. And then usually I also cross out the uh, Native American box. Oh, do you have Native background? Yeah, I'm like a fifth Taino. Oh, wow. Yeah. Dude, has I had a... Have you gotten in touch with that side, or is it just sort of a thing you've always been like, I'm a fifth Taina? Yeah, um, no, I mean, like, I know my father's family, and, uh, like, me and my dad don't have a great relationship, but, like, I know them, and, uh, his, his grandfather was, like, completely Taina. Hmm. Yeah. 
My dad is of, yeah, like indigenous and African descent. Got it. Um, so just like on... So you probably got a real fucking interesting DNA profile. Have you ever done that? Uh, spit in the cup? Yeah, yeah spit in the cup. <laughs> you ever do a cup. spit in the cup? Yeah, spit in the cup. I, sp- I spit in mine last week. I sent it in. I got to wait like eight weeks to see That's it. That's exciting, man. Yeah. That's, I'm, I'm happy for you. <laughs> thanks, thanks. Cool. Everyone's really excited. We're throwing a baby shower about it. Oh, man. <laughs> what was that? What, what, how did it shake out? Your spit in the cup. Mm. Yeah, uh, I, got, I got what I... I'm 46% Greek. Wow. Damn, that's a high percentage. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like just shy of like a true fifth, like the 20%. I'm like, like, like 18, I think, or 19 Taino. Uh. But I round up. I'm, I'm guilty. But, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, and then there's that. And then there's also about just that much of like African. If the Taino's like 18, I think the African sits at like 16%. Cool. This is just numbers. Yeah, yeah but it means something at I the guess end of the so. day. What, so yeah. you're, where Where in California are you for those years? Um, Los Angeles. Alright, and what kind of, uh, what, what was your circle like, uh, demographically speaking? Friends? Yeah, hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, my best friend was a Brazilian girl uh, named Isabella. Well, I mean, she's American, but you know, she's like uh, ethnically Brazilian. If that's the correct way to phrase it. Um, uh, I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah, um, I don't know. Um, she, but yeah, she's she's of Brazilian heritage. Um, she was the the close friend. Had a lot of Korean friends. Uh, I think it might have just been my. My school, like, um, was it a really school diverse school? Uh, yeah, I would say it was like two thirds Asian, and then like the rest of the third was a mix of like, but it was like predominantly Korean, I feel like, wow, just the neighborhood or district I was in for school. So, did you, did you not spend a lot of time around white kids when you were that age? Um, I guess, I mean. Everyone's around, but, um, but, uh, yeah, I, I felt like, yeah, like my best friends, like just thinking in childhood, um, I think I maybe had one, like truly like, oh, you're my homie who like, I guess you would say was like white. Hmm. Um, yeah. Do, do you think it, and that wasn't really a conscious thing right it was just sort of like these are people I like yeah I, mean, I definitely wasn't aware of that you know or I mean some kids are but socially I wasn't aware of it like that I, I just they were my friends yeah know? did anything change when you moved back to New York or did you find yourself sort of gravitating to the same kind of people um it did change, like, my strong friends in New York off the bat um, were Greek. And I think that's because of the location of where I was. In Queens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was a lot of Greek kids over there. And I, I yeah. <laughs> so, it, I think it just happened. But, yeah, I guess just thinking about the way you're, you're asking it and then, like, hearing the response, it, it almost feels like... It's kind of dependent more on the place, yeah. like the location. Yeah, geography makes a huge difference. Yeah. I think I, I, I try. I like to go through like the childhood years because it's like you said, you're not 
when you're a kid, you're not really thinking about any of this shit in a conscious way. Um, right. So I think it's interesting to think about how that stuff kind of uh, shook out for you, whether it's who you were hanging out with or who you were falling in love with or something like that. Mm. Uh, so so you're in New York and a like, very Greek neighborhood. It sounds like you probably engage with your Greek side a lot more. It's your strongest DNA side, too. Uh, I speak better Spanish than I do Greek. Uh, did you grow up speaking Spanish? Um, no, I learned it really in school. And then I got to use it. Um, I've gotten to use it like every time I go to Europe. And then just like in my like day-to-day life, like uh, I'll speak to people in Spanish. I'll speak, I mean, my mom speaks like great Spanish. And like we talk, we speak in Spanish. And although she's like the Greek woman. Um, and uh, yeah. Um Greek is hard. I mean, I, I can speak some Greek, yeah, I but... Couldn't, uh, my grandma would say something real racist, like, it's todo chino para mi. She'd say, like, it's all Chinese to me. Yeah, that's funny. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like, uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I... <laughs> what, are you, what, are the, what would you say are the biggest differences between uh, the... Wow, that was loud. Man. Yeah. Michael just uh, cracked the shit out of his neck. For That's good. Uh, what would you say are like the biggest differences? I'm not asking you to like speak blanket statements, just in mm. general. But in your experience, uh, the biggest differences between uh, Greek culture and like the Spanish culture. Mm. Um, it's very, it's very similar. And then, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a crazy ass statement. I'm gonna say that to some point all of it is similar like no matter what culture it is all of it all cultural identity in general you mean yeah um having not spent time with every culture on the planet sure i can't say that for sure but just from a place of gut i want to say like it must be similar like to some small degree yeah um, well, there's some universal. There have to be some like universalities across everything, right? Yeah, um, but you know, like uh, mothers are like super giving, and uh, uh, like fathers are whatever they are. I mean, like I, don't, I I'm like not a really a uh, like a what what is it a judge an authority figure. Yeah, no, uh, I'm not say Yeah, I'm not asking you to be. I'm asking strictly in the, your experience. Yeah. Um yeah, that's it's kind of it's kind of difficult. They seem they seem very similar to me because it's I'm the that's one. That's you. Yeah. Yeah, I'm the one seeing it or experiencing it. Yeah. And cuz I'm always me, it it's somehow not that every experience happened, like, you know? Yeah, I think that's pretty yeah. cool. I think, especially just from the people I've spoken to so far and from my own experience, I spend a lot of time as a mixed-race person focusing on the differences between the two, but I think it's cool that you're just, uh, it's all a part of you, so why not just consider it all the same thing? Yeah, it's 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 difficult. It can be difficult to, like, keep that with you in public not that it's asked of you to like what do you mean by that oh it's not asked of you to be one side of yourself or another side of yourself necessarily right um and although all of your experiences comprise you for yourself like i know that someone else doesn't necessarily think about that or know that when they look at you or anyone right 
they might just take you for what they immediately see. Right. Um, what do people usually take you for? Um, generally, I'm considered to be some kind of Southern European or um, a Hispanic person. Huh. Um, um, you know, I think every now and then, like, I get I get pegged as just like a white person. Really? I, that surprises me. Yeah, um, me too, but that doesn't happen too much. I mean, I know it's... With me, I was thinking about this the other day, but it's like, if you see me from afar, sure, like, that's a white person. But then, like, if you get closer, it's like, okay, I don't think so. Yeah. And I just, I don't know why, but I feel like, ah, my nose doesn't feel like that to me. And, like, <laughs> that there's, like, a white nose or, like, a, any kind of nose, but, like... There are just things about, like, my face where I associate it with, like, other people I know who are of, like, like Irish or yeah. uh, Anglo or Germanic descent. And that's, like, hmm. I just, I just don't see my features in yeah. that, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think now that you mentioned the, the native heritage, I could definitely see it. Oh, cool. For sure. Uh, I think you're onto something with noses, too. I, I got pretty much all of the Anglo genes from that side of my family, but I do have my mom's nose in a big way. Nice. Uh, something about having like kind of like a wider, I think the word's like an aquiline nose or something like that. Nice word. Uh, thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, something about noses, man. Something about noses tell a story. Yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I totally think so. Because, like, and this is going to sound, I, I hope this doesn't sound weird, but, like, I've kind of I've spent the most time looking at noses with like people I've dated because you kind of like makes sense you're close to their face a lot yeah right and so you're always like there's oh so these are the people I tend to I tend to pay attention to to their oh man that's thing no I see what yeah. you're saying I see what you're saying yeah uh, there's something like. Knowing someone's nose is an intimate thing. Yeah. So it makes sense that you pay more attention to the noses of the people that you're dating. Yeah, like a partner, lover, and like yeah. you kind of, you know, you get to know them. You you know a little bit of their story and their family history. And like that kind of stuff, at least for me, kind of imprints in your mind. And then when you see other people <laughs> of like similar familial trajectories and heritage, you kind of like see like, oh yeah, like... She had a nose like that, and this person, like, shares, like, a common kind of geographical ancestry, and, like, yeah, they yeah, kind of yeah. have a similar... And it's not just a nose, but it's, like, you can see other people and other people, and it makes sense. Like, yeah. Yeah. And so in the... So it, in, like, uh, and you don't go into whatever level of detail you want to, but, like, in your romantic history, like, partners, people you've dated, you've, have you found any patterns nose-wise? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I guess, like, like a relatively, not super straight, like, slope, perfect math nose. I love but this like, so much. Uh, I keep going, I love yeah, this so much. It's more like a, so imagine, like, the perfect math nose, like, just, like, you know, like the like best. Like if the ancient Greeks shaped it to the golden ratio. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that sounds great. And then they took the midpoint and then just, like, gave it a inward kind of concaveness. But not like Whoville, you know what I mean? Not like I, I think like, I see what you're saying. Or Michael Jackson, like by the end of all the surgeries, but like a slight concaveness here where it gives it a little bit of a 
inward arch and yeah. like a kind of tilting up. Um, Interesting. There's got to be some anthrop some anthropologist who listens to this is going to be like, I know what culture that is, yeah. <laughs> just from you describing. It. I hope he's on the toilet when he when he's like, hey, that'd be pretty great. These guys. <laughs> <laughs> I think we have the same. I I have a kind of a convex, like bridge of my nose up here. I think. Does that mean like this? Out instead of like in, because concave is. I in, think mine right? is in. Like, like yours is yours goes out a little. I think this this. this Mm. I, I see know. what you're saying. Yeah, because I feel like I have a bump. Yeah, I think I have the same bump. But I feel like, you know, we go in and then bump. Yeah, also, everyone, Michael's eating plantain chips right now, and he just used a plantain chip to indicate which parts of his nose he's talking about. It was very charming. Oh, thanks. <laughs> uh, cool. So, uh, when, when did you decide to start acting? Have mm. you been acting all the time? Kind of. Um, I think the first time I decided it wasn't even a decision. My friend Isabella was the Brazilian friend. Mm. Yeah. She um she introduced me to Buddhism <laughs> when I was five. Um, and her family kind of like adopted me and my mom in a way and taught us taught us the stuff. Mm. Um, so you know, much gratitude to that person. Um, so you're kind of, you're really. I obviously think you're really cool, but uh, I, I think you're, you're like a cultural traveler, man. Like you're Greek and Hispanic, uh, but spiritually a Buddhist, which doesn't apply to either of those cultures, really. Generally speaking, yeah. uh, I think that's really cool. Sorry, continue. Oh. I, just, I wanted to observe that. Yeah. Um, what was the point? Wait. Isabella introduced you to Buddhism. Yeah. And then what, why did we start? Uh, you said uh, uh, acting sort of just like oh, presented yeah, yeah. itself to you. Yeah. We, she, was, she is an actress. And she has always been. And she's a human being. But for as long as I've known her, she has been pursuing acting. And when we were kids, she was like in pilots and stuff. And she would get far. And like she was almost on like a few like... I, I mean, I might be super wrong, but memory makes me feel that like she was, she got really close to booking like Disney and Nickelodeon shows, All right. like of our our era of those shows when like tweens and kids were like you rock know, stars. Yeah, yeah. Um, and she was like always going out for stuff and in things and like working and like performing. <clears throat> and I was just like hanging, and I remember there was like some kind of agent meeting or showcase some kind of commercial agency thing in Los Angeles and uh, we went to that because she was going to it and it was like I don't know if it was an open call what it was but we were there and we were there to support her and she was there to do her thing and then somehow I wound up like doing it too oh that's great but I like I had no no desire nor no intention I wasn't signed up for it I think I was just there and the person running it and it was like in a pa- uh, in front of a panel of like a bunch of people. It was like fifty people in the room, and uh-huh. like I got up there, and like the guys like, "How much you like peanut butter?" And I was like, "Man, I love peanut butter." And uh, <laughs> but I think I I just spoke to him candidly. I was just like a chubby like seven year old, uh-huh. um, and they were like, "Man, this kid's full of fun!" Like, "Wow, let's do it!" And then I went through some. It was like. It was like a grooming through their through their their program, whatever it was, where they were like 
it was me and a bunch of kids and like we would we would go over like commercial copy and like wow. rehearse being in like things because they were like trying to groom you to like book and stuff. I don't right. I don't remember how long was this thing. I don't know. I don't remember. I just remember showing up and like hating it. I really thought it was like awful. I was like, man, I don't want to smile. These people are telling me to smile. Yeah, I hated all my first acting classes things too. Yeah, fuck yeah. this. And, uh, <laughs> so I just didn't do it. Um, but I feel like like in front of people and like really like doing it like 2011 yeah when i started the the improv you know for myself <laughs> the um, improv yeah but yeah it's always been around <laughs> like a performative element um but yeah i don't know do you think uh do you think anything uh in terms of your like performance style or the stuff you like to do or even the people you gravitate towards to do stuff with uh do you feel like your uh your ethnic background informs that at all or do you just sort of not think about it mm. i don't think about it too much um i um i think in general i've just like made friends and strong connections with people as um i don't I don't know. It's like it's situational and it's kind of it's a little bit faded and it's fake Ted and not faded. Got but, it. Uh, oh yeah, I was confused. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like the connections made with people, whether it's for, solely for performance or friendship, it's like it's it's all about time, place, um, circumstance, mm. and like why. I, yeah, I have no idea. I don't. I don't have an answer. If like that's cool, yeah. you do not have to. I'm really. Let's go back to Buddhism. I'm really interested. I'm not incredibly educated. I'm really interested in how that jives with uh, how that jives with being Greek. How that jives with being kind of Latin. How that jives with being in New York. That mm -hmm. kind of thing. How did that sort of? When did Buddhism enter the equation? How did that sort of change your mindset? Uh, Isabella, she's getting. She's getting mad, mad shout-outs. Yeah, mad shout-outs. Yo, um, I was, uh, her grandmother lived in the apartment complex my mom and I lived in in Los Angeles, and one day I was at the pool, and she was down there with her grandmother, and I was afraid to jump in, and she was jumping in, and we became pool friends, you know, like, as That's children a, do. I grew up in apartment complexes, too. Everybody, not everybody grew up in a house. Right, yeah, <laughs> Sometimes yeah. you grow up in an apartment complex, you make friends with the people at the pool. That's it's true, and it's a lot like, it's park ethics, you know, when little kids are at the park and they make friends for the day, and, like, yeah. it's... It goes that way in pools, I would say. Yeah, I had the same. I've I grew up in exclusively... We moved a couple of times, but always to different apartment complexes. And pools. Yeah, well, <laughs> pools. Pools and noses. Bad. That's the theme. That's the theme of this one. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was afraid to jump in, and she was jumping in a bunch, and she just kind of was like, "Say Namilarenge kill three times." And I was like, "Okay, I have no idea what that means." And I did it. I said it, and then I jumped in, and I was having fun. And then, like later that day, her and her grandmother took me to their apartment, and they showed me chanting, and and then I told my mom about it sometime later. Once we had become friends and like started hanging out, and they would take me to like temples and meetings and like chant around me because like in her family it's like it's like steeped <clears throat> for a few generations. Got it. And so it's like strong roots there. And um, how old were you at this time? Five. Got and it. And then 
eventually my mom's like, what are you doing? And I was like, check it out. So I put my mom onto it. Um, is she still into it? Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, it's, it's a big, it's a big thing. Um, so that's how, that's how it came to be. What was the other part of that? That's great. Well, the question was going to be like, how did that change your mindset? But it sounds like it happened early enough that it sort of just shaped it. It became the mindset. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, nah, I mean, but yeah, it's, it's definitely like, I've carried it for a long time and mm-hmm. it's, um, well, 20 years is long for me, but not for someone else. But uh, yeah, I'd consider it pretty long. Okay. Yeah, you're right. Has your relationship with it changed at all? You ever get frustrated with it? Or? Oh, for sure. I mean, yeah. like it's only it's only gotten stronger as I've gotten older. Mm-hmm. It definitely, it was it was strong as a kid, and then like in the teenage years, it was there, and I did it. But I I started like my relationship with it really matured and became something that like. I feel like I started to like really take things away from it personally and experience what I feel is to be like living proof of the practice in my daily life. Like once I was doing it on my own, like as a young adult hmm. and as a person living on their own, like chanting by myself in that circumstance really um, reintroduced it in a way where it just felt like I was lucky to be shown this as a kid. It was, I, I feel very lucky to have had that and I've had it throughout my life. But as a, like a young man, <laughs> I feel like, um, it's gotten stronger and has matured in a way where it still has a lot of room yeah. to grow and do different things. But it's definitely become like, something that like I really I I truly feel passionate about and like this is really a tool yeah or this is really and I don't want to just say tool but this is really like a like this is a thing now where before it was like very special I kind of understood it was special I believed and I had faith in it but I was still a kid and there's almost like a kid logic of like you know, it's like, yeah, okay, you know, like I'll pray and stuff, but whatever, like Yeah, well it sounds like yeah. you it sounds like you found your unique connection to it as mm. the person that you are. Uh, yeah. that's not necessarily a bad thing that I think it happens with most faiths that uh you get introduced to this thing because, you know, either friends or authority figures in your life introduce it to you and there's a certain amount of uh of following somebody else's lead for a mm. long time. Uh, but the, it sounds like you've hit the sweet spot where you find how you specifically, like you, Michael, identify with it. That's a beautiful place to be. Yeah, thanks. It, uh, you're right. <laughs> no, just like the way you, you phrased it. That's yeah. yeah. How do how do people usually react, react when they find out that you're a practicing Buddhist? No one has yelled. No one has. Uh, <laughs> it's either like you know. Yeah, it's not really the. It's not really the faith that people get pissed at you for yeah, having. What the hell? <laughs> yeah. That would be pretty great, though. You jerk. Um, but yeah, either mild to passing interest, like yeah. or fleeting interest to like whoa, like big interest or like just like stone cold like yeah. okay cool yeah. I think it's the kind of thing that I mean I'm pretty ignorant of it I think this is the kind of thing that probably people in this city especially 
in the comedy and acting community that people are generally pretty ignorant of? Do you ever find yourself having to like educate people or correct people or anything like that? Does that ever uh, just feel like, like a, about misconceptions? Yeah, of like, yeah. Um, I don't ever feel like I need to correct people. But if people ask me if I do this, this, and that, I like I make sure to like specify like I practice Nichiren Buddhism, which is you know uh, it originates it's like from Japan and it's a it's a uh, how do I want to word this properly? It's like a subsect or like a a version of Buddhism within Mahayana Buddhism, uh-huh. which is like a that so that's the sect. It's like. Mahayana Buddhism is a sect of Buddhism in itself, or you got like Zen Buddhism and Vajrayana Buddhism um, and things like that. Um, so you feel so, you more feel like you need to specify things for people when they ask you about it. Yeah, because it might be like very general. Like someone might just say, like, "Do you believe in this? Do you do this?" It's like uh-huh. I don't, and I can't speak to Buddhism as an entire enterprise to say that that is yes or no. Yeah. I practice this. Right. So I can talk about this. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I think uh, even though, you know, we're talking about something spiritual, I think that uh, I can identify with that on the, like, racial, cultural front uh, of having to specify things. Uh, mm. I think especially for Latinos, uh, there's a certain amount of from like the general American population. There's a certain amount of like, um, uh, oh, I know what a Latin person is because I know what a Mexican person is, and you kind of mm. have to uh, find yourself, uh, and you can only speak to your own experience. Like you say, like I can only ever speak to. Well, I'm Peruvian, and here's the things that like I was raised with, and here's the things that I know. Mm. Uh, I think the more that we do that. Uh, whether it's with our cultural background or with our faith, uh, the more other people will understand that there's nuance to everything, you know? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, do you feel the need to make your heritage known? Yes. Mm. Yeah, but I think, um, and I'm going to try my best not to repeat myself because I've talked about it a few times on other episodes, uh, I think I'm a, a specific case uh, that I don't look like what my heritage is. Mm. Uh, so for a long time, I I just sort of kept it quiet and didn't feel like I could claim being a, a Latin person. Uh, and only recently am I becoming comfortable with uh, making it known and making sure people know that. Because mm. uh, I think there's a certain amount of responsibility to that as somebody who passes for, you know, a white dude. Mm. Yeah, I hear you. I, uh... I definitely, like, I've joked about this with friends, like, I am very aware if, like, I'm in a room and it's, like, all white people. Like, I'm aware. Like, yeah. I, like, not that I take, I actively, like, I have to notice I'm, like, every room I'm in, I'm, like, counting. Yeah, but, no. like, you know. It's impossible not to be aware of it. Yeah, but, yeah. like, after a moment, like, you know, if you see that, it's like, oh, okay. And not that that's. I'm not saying there's anything up or down about that, but it's just like, uh, it's something that I notice and, um, whether or not I feel the need to let other people know what's good about me, I just, I definitely notice if there's a majority of something in the room or someone in the room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I don't know why that is, but, like, I notice, and, like, it doesn't come with any kind of 
emotion that's necessarily anywhere. It's more of just like an observation. Yeah. Um, I think that's just human nature. Uh, I get the same thing. Uh, for for me, it's that uh, uh, I feel like imposter syndrome in both directions. Like if I'm in a room full of American white people, it's like I fully realize I I look like everybody in this room and nobody would know any different if I didn't say anything. Um, but I do fundamentally do not feel like the rest of these people mm. feel. Um, but then if, I, if I'm in a room full of Hispanic people, especially who have darker skin or more like a visible uh, Hispanic features, I feel like a complete fraud. Mm. Uh, so uh, I, th- I think that's part of why I wanted to start these interviews is um, to sort of explore uh, other experiences of people who feel in between places. Yeah. Um, so if you're in a room of like all Latin people, what's that like? Do you feel like I'm cool? I'm fully identifying? Yeah. I feel... I, I tend to feel seen. Um, there are some times where... Like I have one friend and I'll just like... You know, I won't. I won't name drop anymore. Isabella's the only one to get name drop. Like, <laughs> right. We 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 kind of shout talk, out to Isabella. Yeah, you know, we kind of talk about this a lot. What you're getting at? Yeah. Um, and he, uh, <clears throat> like, f- for him, he he is very like his his features are very uh, pronounced of like where his family is from. Mm. Like he he looks like he's got a specific nose. Yeah, he's got a specific nose. Uh, and, like, body, you know, it's like yeah. this whole thing. But, uh, and he he looks, like, exactly like his people, as if that's the, you know, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, um, where when we stand next to each other, like, I am, like, clearly, like, the whiter person. Because, like, my skin is white. Like, I, I mean, I know it, you can say it's got whatever color or tint or whatever. But, like, essentially, this is I, this is white skin, I think. Um, and uh, so, like, we talk about it a lot where it's, like, like, I'm the white one. But, like, I don't... I don't necessarily feel like it. Like, and we, we talk openly and, like, jokingly about it. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I think that's interesting. Not that that conversation really goes anywhere, but like, like my father is very dark, mm. and his family, you know, they they have their features. They're very like mixed, and um, they're just yeah, they're very dark people. Where I am like, I have my mother's coloring, um, but I'm like one step away from like undeniably looking clearly like a like a type of person yeah it's like literally a step away it's my dad um so that's interesting it's like i would never want to claim like hey you know like i'm a like i'm i'm the son of like like why would you even say that like i'm the son of like these people it's like I don't know where that gets us or yeah, gets you but I like, think I'm really interested uh, in that feeling of uh, when you start that feeling of why would I say that why would I why would I claim this specific thing this specific identity because I think that is going back to what we were talking about of their universalities across all people I think that kind of feeling is universality across any mixed person no matter what mm. mix of cultures they are that they have that feeling of like 
well, I'm this, and I look at one side of my family, and I see, you know, what I could be, mm. what I could say I am, and I look at the other side and see another version of what I could say I am. So I think we're in this, like, weird uh, limbo space, and it's not, like you said, it's not necessarily an up or down thing, but I think it's a unique space. Mm. I wonder if, like, and specifically with, like, the, like a wider um, background, if like mixed people um, uh, like to really hold on to like the um, just like whatever isn't like white or Caucasian inside of them because of like a white guilt and like whatever that is and um, or like white privilege like being aware of it as a as an existing thing like for a mixed person, like, does a, and it's not unilateral, but, like, do they hold on to the other aspects of their heritage because they just want to be removed from this thing, which in, like, especially the modern day is kind of seen as, like, this is, like, an original sin almost of you. Yeah. That you're, like, you're, you're born with this thing, and, and it does this for you, whether you're aware of it or not. And, like, there's nothing you could do to wipe it off, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I I think uh, you're kind of describing me. Like, I'll I'll definitely cop to some of that. mm -hmm. And it's not necessarily a fully conscious thing. Um, When I was younger, I was definitely, my head, you know, I grew up in a really sort of pretty affluent white suburb of the city. Uh, I think I was much more of an assimilator back then. Of Like, I wanted to be like everybody else and be part of what I didn't think of as, you know, white, like super white and rich white culture. Uh, and as I got older and maybe a little bit more educated, there's certainly like a large amount of white guilt that enters the equation. Uh, not only in America and Peru too, because colorism in Peru is a, a really, really kind of uh, ingrained and sinister thing. Um, so I think it's partially that I'm really proud of the non-American uh, uh, side, uh, but I think I'd be disingenuous if I didn't uh, cop to having that amount of guilt and kind of wanting to run away from it, even though I can't. Hmm. Hmm. I feel you. Yeah. I guess. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, no, I don't know. I, I just I agree with you. Yeah. I don't know if I had anything actually to say. That's cool. No. Uh, so, uh, uh, what kind of what kind of stuff uh, interests you now? What kind of uh, creative stuff are you working on now? And do you feel like? Uh, and again, the answer can be like, not really. I don't think about it. But what, uh, of the stuff you're kind of working on or that's on your mind creatively right now, how do you feel like any of your cultural background figures into it, um, or even if it's your spiritual background? Um. Like, how much of that stuff do you try to bring to your work? And if the answer is not at all, let's talk about that, too. Um, I don't make a conscious choice of what I'm going to include. Like, I try to be as comfortable with all the things I think I have and am. And then just, like, it's all in the same box. Um, I think that's, like... Just in general, I think that's... I don't know if that's the easier thing. It might not be the easier thing for other people to understand, but I think, like, just, like, 
claiming all of the things you are as like a new it's like a new box because right like i think i don't know if it was recording but you were when you asked me like if you're at an audition what box do you check yeah you know um and i think like they're gonna have to make a lot of more boxes for sure um like if if we have to use boxes but like uh um yeah i think yeah i don't i don't choose i don't think about what i'm gonna include uh in anything because i just i just accept okay well i guess this is me and this is what i know about myself so it's all equally up for grabs um i think that like i think my my you know my like Latino heritage makes me I don't know but I part of me feels that uh, that helped me come to ayahuasca or find it or like uh-huh. you know well sure um, there's a lot of cultural roots there yeah and and like the first like the first brew that I had in a ceremony was from Puerto Rico uh-huh. and uh, I kind of remember thinking like you know um but yeah, I um, I don't know. I like I. I mean, I I live in a little bit of like a fantasy personally. But what does that mean? Oh, just that like I I I try to live every day like with a like an active awareness and appreciation for my ancestors, huh. because I accept that my life would not be without the lives and choices of other people sure a bunch of other people for like throughout the span of history like people just had to do what they did in order for me to be here and that's very that can be like a very egotistical statement I think I see what you meant by fantasy yeah yeah but it's not I'm not meaning for it to be like a self-centered statement where it's like all of humanity has boiled down to me like (laughs) no it's more just like I try to you know, move with an appreciation for, like, people had to live lives in order for other people to come from them and, like, you know, progeny, like... Yeah, so it's, like, uh, sort of being aware that you're part of this, like, vast continuum. Mm-hmm. That, that you're, like, part of something bigger, it sounds like. Yeah. Fuck. I, I would love to know why I started talking about that. Uh, uh, I like I you came to Ayahuasca... Point through your Latin roots, uh, we were talking about not making conscious decisions of what mm. culture you're bringing to your work because you're just bringing yourself. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of how we got here. Yeah, okay. I think, yeah, all right. That's close. Uh, but yeah, I, yeah I, try to, I try to be respectful of those people, those ancestors, and like speak to them in meditation mm-hmm. or in just like make... A conscious effort to like if I'm if I'm meditating or walking to like think out loud internally like to myself and and just like thank them and like I know some of the names of like deceased relatives on both sides of my family I don't know like all the names of all the people but like I try to say like a like a personal prayer of like you know to this person and that person and this person and to all the like ancestors whose name i do not know yet or will never know like wow. I, I just like i am grateful for this opportunity to be alive and 
I hope I do you justice, and so on and so forth. So I like. Oof. It sounds both humbling and also, depending on how you look at it, pretty pressurizing. Oh, it could be, yeah. Of that, like, I hope I live up to, you know, this or all just, this stuff that's behind me. Yeah, know? and live up to it or just, like, make the best use of it. Because if I've been gifted with a shot and maybe I'm shot in such a way where it's like I don't really know what I'm supposed to do with my turn. Uh-huh. You know, I've been given a turn. Yeah. But, like, I don't... Who knows what they're supposed to do? But, like, I just, like, I pray that, like, I I do the best I can and the right things and I think that that will and that strength to do so or attempt to do so comes from a respect of like my whole family like uh, yeah yeah. I think that's something that anybody could take something from whether they're a mixed person or not uh, just to have more of an awareness of what came before you and specifically what came before you in your genealogy like in your family your, your actual literal ancestry uh, it'll, to at least give because I, I have heard from a lot of white people and I do have uh, a certain amount of empathy for it that there is this element of white guilt but there's also this element of um, and I've heard it from a couple of white friends of I don't really know we don't really have a culture we don't really have much to latch on to uh, I think if people looked I mean, you could just, you know, do your family tree, like, learn more about your ancestors. If people yeah. looked at their, like, their immediate family unit as their source of culture, I think it could help with that kind of um, identitylessness. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. I think that might be an American problem, especially. Yeah. Because people that, and I have a couple of friends that are, like, for for however many generations they're family has been in America right. to the point where like they kind of know oh yeah maybe we're a little from here like we had a someone from here but like for like you know they've been here since like 1600 1700 yeah. you know like uh, I think feeling I think being white and not feeling like you have any kind of culture or something I don't know that but it feels like an American problem yeah um and I would say that, like, yeah, right? There's, like, there's culture literally everywhere. Like, yeah. Like, all people have traditions and routines and rituals. And, like, whether you want to, like, relate it. It's not about Christianity, but I'm going to use the word sacrament. Like, all cultures have their, like, their things. Like, there's, yeah. like, sacrament, if I can And culture can mean something as simple as, like... Oh. You know what your what your mom's room smelled like when you were a kid, like well, that's true. Specific stuff like that. Yeah, like even food. Like, not all German people eat schnitzel, but schnitzel's a thing. Yeah, you can throw that in the culture. You know. Yeah. Uh, so like, that's not a very good point, but it's like, uh, it does lead me to a question that I haven't asked anybody, but I'm really interested because uh, I want to stir up some shit. Who makes better food, Greeks or Latinos? Wow, that's and this is on record. Yeah, <laughs> forever. You know, they're not similar. They're not similar, and they're not. Fuck. It's really what you want. I. I. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm, I can't really say. And it's not because I'm trying to be political about it, but, like, because I love both. Like, you know, 
Puerto Ricans don't got spanakopita, and that's great. It's yeah. a spinach pie. Um, I mean, obviously the answer is you can have whatever you want, and yeah. it's all good. But I just like it's the just idea. It's like a fun thing. Um, stirring up some shit. Yeah, hey. Um, or maybe instead of picking one, uh, uh, like what, depending on what, uh, what context are you going to go for the Latin food, and what context are you going to go for the Greek food? Mm. Uh, the Greek food... Oh, well, it's, it, it, it depends again, because like I was gonna say, well, maybe if I'm feeling like I want to eat healthier, or I want to eat this, I'm gonna go one way or another. But it's like it's just not true. It's like who's making the food? If both of my <laughs> grandmothers are making food, oh, like, that's a good way to put it. I would feel fine with either meal. Mm-hmm. I would feel healthy about either meal. I I would feel like taken care of and like that it's delicious. It's just like a different, so different. Um, like in Greece, um, my grandfather's mistress or, you know, my <laughs> girlfriend. Um, All right. Yeah. Uh, she's a really nice woman. I just didn't know what to say she was. But That's like, fine. We don't got to get into it. Yeah. She, she made like this fava bean mash with Ooh. onions. And that's like a, it's like a paste. It's a thing they do in Greece. That's delicious. That's fun. Um, and then, uh, like, and then in Puerto Rico, if I'm there, like something I might do like with my dad or something is like, like, you know, we might like go snorkeling, catch a fish, pull a couple of like mangoes and avocados from a tree and Mm. then like go home and like make juice or salad and cook the fish. Shit. That sounds good to me. And I, I said that. Next to fava bean mash, which kind of makes it sound like, like, oh, well, clearly the other one is super cool, fucking fava bean mash. But the other one didn't have a story. The other one had my grandma's mistress. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I guess I was just trying to think of an experience in both countries or both places with food in my brain. And, like, I wouldn't take one over the other necessarily because it's, like, both situations are delicious. And they make me feel good. <laughs> they, uh, yeah. I think that's beautiful. Yeah, if I if I ever have to have children, um, I'm gonna try to like let them. Like, I want to give them as good of a like a fusion like upbringing as they can. Like, yeah. Not jazz fusion where it's like. No, I know what you're yeah. saying. I know that feeling. Where they're gonna yeah they're gonna feel like I would I would hope I I can't know this but like. That they feel like their culture is actually both things, that they don't have to think twice about it. And if anyone questions them for it, it's like really like dumb and maybe even bizarre. It's like, no, I'm we do this, we do both things. Yeah. It's super tight. Like this is what this is what our house is like. Yeah, we're all things in one. Yeah. That'd be cool, I think. All right. Michael, is there anything you want to plug or any shit like that? Because I think we're going to... Oh I know you got to get out of here. Oh, yeah. Um, it'll come out, but I'm, I'm writing a musical, and that'll happen. Hell yeah. Yeah. No name yet? Uh, the Clearing. The Clearing. All right, everybody look out for that. It was somebody who's listening to this episode seven years from now when this shit is on Broadway. Yeah. Well... Hey, it might be sooner. Who knows? Oh, all right. Chips. Um, what about you, though? 
What 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 do I got to plug? Yeah. Oh, fuck that. I'm not going to this whole podcast I want to plug this podcast. Hopefully people are listening to it. I got we got a show that we're working on together right now. Yeah. Uh that there you go. we're going to shoot in June. Uh that I'm going to keep a little bit of a mystery. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh great. Michael, thank you so much for coming in today. Thanks, man. Uh can I have one of your plantain strips? Oh, yeah. I'm sorry if this episode blew. Um, no, this episode is fantastic. There was a bunch of loud hip-hop music playing at one point, but uh, I really wanted to end on chomping into a plantain chip. Okay. Ah, they're sirens. <laughs> you know, that's an accurate representation of Washington Heights. Mm-hmm. Everyone, have a wonderful day. And that's it for episode four of La Mezcla. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Thank you to Michael for coming in. Uh, the visual art was done by Esther Burke. Uh, the song that you're hearing is Come With Me by Mateo Sounds on his EP Eight Hours to Brazil. You can get that on iTunes. Please do that. Uh, please do that. Uh, you guys, I'm so tired as I'm recording this. It's the middle of the night, but what are you going to do? Uh, thank you so much. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, and uh, leave a, yeah, leave a review, please. I think that'd be fun. And uh, we'll see you next week with episode five. big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recess lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight Lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big.